Well, tonight, friends, we're considering um, another part of the doctrine of Scripture, the doctrine of the Word of God. So if you did not grab a paper on your way in, you're welcome to do that. They're on that back pew back there uh, right, next to, right next to Whitney. So you're welcome to grab one of those and, um, and follow along with us. So this is our third session. And tonight we're talking about the authority of Scripture. Scripture carries with it authority. Now the good news is, Baptists typically understand this. We are people of the book. Uh, and, and we have historically prided ourselves uh, on being people of the book. As a matter of fact, I was recently talking to someone uh, not long ago who was, um, who was uh, in conversations with, with a person uh, of another faith. And this particular faith puts a lot of stock in their tradition and in their church. So basically, the church gets to set what they believe is true and the scriptures are in there, but we as Baptists um, are encouraged, you are encouraged to test everything that I say by the scriptures. Like we encourage that here because at the end of the day, the scriptures are our final rule. And that's what the Baptist Faith and Message says. Um, I don't believe that I, I quoted from the Baptist Faith and Message, but I do have some, uh, some footnotes down there you're welcome to, to look at. But here's, uh, as we begin, let's talk about authority. You know, uh, one, of the, one of the problems with authority is that it's not really in style. Uh, authority has been abused so much that many people are wary of, of authority. And this is why many people have, have basically said, I don't want anything to do with the church. Because I've seen the church has, has, uh, has abused authority, right? Sometimes these charges are warranted, and sometimes these charges are unwarranted. Sometimes people just don't like accountability, right? Uh, authority and accountability are two different things. But uh, in our really individualistic age, we're bent on personal freedom. We're bent on autonomy. We don't really like authority, as John Feinberg uh, puts it, the mood of our times is one of rampant individualism, emphasizing what is true for me. And that usually means whatever approach to life increases my enjoyment and reduces my pain, suffering, and inconvenience. And if we needed an example of this, we don't have to look any further than the Jefferson Bible. If you're familiar with the Jefferson Bible... Thomas Jefferson decided that there was a lot, of this, a lot of stuff in the Bible that he really didn't care for, and so he kind of created his own. He started taking a, a little razor blade or, or a, you know, some kind of a tool, cutting tool, and eliminated the parts that he didn't like, and then uh, kind of copied and pasted and created his own, his own Bible. It's very interesting. I would say we have to be on guard against this temptation in our own hearts. Even though our Bibles may not have little clippings taken out of it, we need to make sure that we're living our lives by everything that's in there so that we don't accidentally do the very same thing that Thomas Jefferson did. But um, the authority of Scripture is something that's not very popular. Uh, but it is good. So let's look at authority and see what it is that the Bible says about itself. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's particularly in the Old Testament. There are a lot of phrases that get, there's this one phrase that gets repeated a number of times. And it is, thus saith the Lord, right? Thus says the Lord, uh, depending on 
your, your translation there. But uh, thus saith the Lord. And then whatever follows after that is supposed to be or is the very words of God. Now we believe everything in the Bible is the word of God, right? It's all inspired by him. And we're going to get to inspiration of scripture probably in the next couple of weeks. But this Old Testament phrase, thus says the Lord, appears literally hundreds of times in the Old Testament. And this would have been understood in the ancient world as the same thing as, let's say you lived in a kingdom, you lived under a king, and anytime the king wanted to put out a new command, he, he would make a declaration and would say, thus says king so-and-so, and whatever he says, you better do, or you'll find yourself on the wrong side of you know, some very unfortunate way of, of ending your life. Uh, but, but we know that whenever our Lord says, thus saith the Lord, we are supposed to obey. A way to think about the Scriptures, a way to think about the Scriptures is the Scriptures represent one big, thus saith the Lord. They are His Word to us. We remember 2 Timothy 3.16. I've got it down here in a little footnote. I know it's very small, but this is the only way I can make everything I need to write fit on one page back and front. So you're going to have to indulge me on that. But uh, on the little footnote number three, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, in other words, take a, take a clue here, take a note here. These are the things that God believes that we are going to need on a regular basis. We're going to need teaching. We're going to need reproof. That means rebuke. It's another word for correction. We're going to need correction. We're going to need training in righteousness because we're never completely there until we are with Jesus in glory. And for what purpose? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. But look what it says at the beginning of that verse. All Scripture is breathed out. There's a, a Greek word there called theonoustos. It just means God breathed. You can, you can imagine God breathing these words. It's like they, they come from Him. God's Word is not a creation of Him. It's not something separate from Him. It's actually, it consists of His very mind. The mind of God is revealed in the Bible. It's breathed out by Him. Uh, we, we talked about some things last week that I'm reminding us here under this little, this little bullet point. This use of graphe, all Scripture, Scripture, the word for Scripture in 2 Timothy 3.16 is graphe. It just means writing. The use of that word referred to the Old Testament Scriptures here. But further, in verse 15, the verse right before this, Paul was referencing the sacred writings of the Old Testament. That's where we, where we get this word from, theonoustos, God breathed. All Scripture is breathed out by God. And we learned last week, we're reviewing here in a, in, in a manner of speaking, the Old Testament is presented as Scripture in, in references, Bible, Bible passages that are too many to number, really. The New Testament speaks of the Old Testament as the words of God, even when the Old Testament didn't say so itself. So examples of this would be Matthew 1.22, hearkening back to Isaiah 7.14. Or Matthew 19.5, hearkening back to Genesis chapter 2. These are just a couple of examples, but really there are too many to list. But what about the New Testament? Isn't it Scripture as well? Well, of course. 
course it is. As we covered last week, there's solid reason to believe that New Testament Scripture is also under the 2 Timothy 3.16 umbrella, where it says all Scripture is breathed out by God and is useful for, for training, for uh, reproof, for correction, for training in godliness. Uh, here are a couple of reasons. The acceptance of the persecuted churches. So these early churches are dealing with all kinds of problems. They're, people are trying to kill them. People are trying to put a, a stop to this church's just wildfire-like growth. The acceptance of the persecuted church who agreed on their fidelity. In other words, the, the New Testament letters, they're all agreeing. The, new, the, the, the persecuted church is all agreeing. Yes, these are the words of God. We see that in Galatians chapter 1. And then there's some textual evidence, evidence inside the Bible. As I say, the use of the term graphe there. Paul's references to his own authority to write. Um, and then the power of the New Testament. This is the third one. The power of the New Testament as we read it. Uh, friends, I'll just say to you, for those who are believers, when you read the words of God, doesn't it just, doesn't it just seem... Does it, don't you just have the sense deep in your heart that these are the words of God? I know you can't really quantify that. You can't put a number on that. It's hard to explain to somebody else. But just today, I, I, I'll say to you just today, as the Lord was impressing upon my heart things about prayer, how I, how I need to just prayer continues to come up. And then I have a moment. That sometimes I take a break from being down in my office and I come up here. And I'm sitting right here on this pew been thinking about been thinking about prayer and how I need to be a person who brings all of my um, all of my cares to God instead of worrying about them I pray about them and then I read Matthew chapter 18 and it's this one big long chapter it begins with the parable of the persistent widow who who is given to us as an example she she, she keeps going to the unrighteous judge and this unrighteous judge finally gives her what she wants because he's just ready for her to stop bothering him, right? And then God basically says, if an unrighteous judge will answer the requests of, of a person who keeps at it, will not God, who is righteous, answer the, the prayers of His people? Will He not do more? In other words, it was just this great encouragement to, to, to continue praying and to take up my request to God. And friends, this kind of stuff, if, if you spend much time in God's Word, you spend much time praying, this kind of stuff just happens all the time. And so not only do we have a lot of evidence that we can write books about, but we also have the inner witness of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Um... We also know that the Scriptures say our spirits bear witness with the Spirit of God, that we are children of God. There's just something about the power of the Word of God. And if we're honest, if you remember back to the day of your salvation, it was the power of the Word of God that called you forth, that called you out. Why? Because it says in Romans 10.17, faith comes by what? Hearing. And that by the Word of God. The Word of God has power. And those of us who have come to Christ, we know that. And we see that. And we feel that in our hearts. And that has more weight than all the evidence that you could fill up in any kind of book. So, those things are there. Also, if you look on the back of your sheet, way up there at the top, Scripture 
is self-attesting. Here's what it means. The words of Scripture cannot be proved by a higher authority because they are themselves the highest authority. In other words, we don't look to something else to tell us that, yes, the Word of God is true, right? We don't look to history or, or, or science or, or anything else. They are self-attesting. Now, the problem with saying this is that it seems like a circular argument, right? Why do you believe in the Word of God? Well, the Word of God says to. Well, why does the Word of God, why should we believe that about the Word of God? Because the Word of God is true. Well, why is the Word of God true? Because it says it is, right? You see how, how people don't really take us seriously when we say this, but the issue is this. If the Bible is the highest authority, you wouldn't expect it. You would not expect it to say, hey, go look over there to confirm what I say is true because the Bible itself is the highest authority. It doesn't have to appeal to anything else. And if it did appeal to some other authority, it would be like saying that the Bible is not the highest authority, right? So anyway, um, I've put all of that there in a bunch of other language that you can read through. But let's look down at the second little bullet point or hash mark that begins with the word this. This is why evidences alone cannot be our, our source of ultimate comfort. At the end of the day, if we're looking for comfort about why the Word of God is true, we can't go to a theology book somewhere. We can't go to, to a list of all the reasons why we should believe. The Westminster Confession puts it this way. We may be moved and induced by the testimony of the church to a high and reverent esteem of the Holy Scripture, and the heavenliness of the matter, the efficacy, that just means the, the ability for it to do what it says it does, the efficacy of the doctrine, the majesty of the style of the Bible, maybe all these things prompt us to, to believe in God's Word. The fact that it works, the fact that it's heavenly, the fact that it just has a majesty, you just read the Scriptures and it's beautiful. Yet, notwithstanding, our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness by and with the Word in our hearts. Why do believers know that the Word of God is true? Because the Holy Spirit works its truth into our hearts. And it happened at the day we were converted, and over the course of our lives, it continues to happen. Here's how we kind of cash this out. Here's what we do with this. We must believe God's Word to be believing God. It makes sense, right? If, my, if I tell my son, son, don't touch the stovetop because it's hot. He will be believing me by believing my words. To him, That's how he shows me that he believes me because he believes what I have said, the, 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 the speech that has come forth from me. And this is just a small illustration teaching us that if the Bible is the Word of God, to disbelieve or disobey anything in it is to disbelieve or disobey the God who spoke it. So uh, we must believe God's Word to be believing God. Since God's words are they're an emanation, they, they come forth, they're, they're God-breathed of His own being, 
To disbelieve them or disobey is to disbelieve or disobey God. In them, they show us the character of God. Here's a couple things about the Word of God and about God's character that should give us a little bit of confidence. First of all, God cannot lie or speak falsely. Titus 1-2 says that. It talks about His nature. Um, Hebrews 6-18 reminds us that God cannot lie. The character of God spills into the character of His Word. Uh, So if anybody asked you, uh, is there something that God cannot do? Well, of course there is. He cannot lie. All right? Um, And it's a lot easier... It's a lot easier, I would say, it would be a lot easier to spend an eternity and have a lie here and there than it would be to spend eternity and never lie. Right? It shows that God is that good and He's that strong and He's that pure and perfect. God's words, God's true words, are the source of our knowing truth and obeying God. John 17 uh, reminds us this. Jesus, these are the words of Jesus in John 17, He prays to the Father. God, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. That's how we become more sanctified, by growing. That's how we become more like Jesus, by growing in the words of God. And so, uh, a healthy diet of the word of God, intaking, taking in God's word every day, is, is crucial to becoming more like Jesus. I've actually read this story to you. I'm going to try to tell it from, from memory but, you know, there was, a, there was a man who had just become a Christian before he had a terrible accident. And he was burned at his job, at his job place. He was burned so badly that he could no longer see. He lost sight. And his greatest, I don't know, loss or his greatest regret was that he could no longer read the Bible because he had just become converted. He had just believed and trusted in Jesus and he was just setting out on his walk and he wanted to be able to read God's words. And now this ability is taken away from him. So he stumbles upon some some Braille books and he says, maybe, maybe I can teach myself Braille. But the problem was, the problem was the, the nerve endings on his fingers had become too badly damaged that he couldn't feel. And so this led for him to be discouraged. And as he was sitting here with these, this Braille Bible, he, just, he didn't know what he was going to do. And I don't know, for one reason or another, those words, the, the Braille, the little raised characters, he, he brushed them past his lips. And he realized, I can feel. He learned how to read Braille with his lips just so that he could read the words of God. Friends, let that be an encouragement to us to take in God's Word. It is that life-giving. It is that necessary in order to grow uh, in, in our knowledge of God. So how, does this, how do we apply this? There's a few things we need to take note of, and I know a lot of these questions, the questions that come up, systematic theology, it all connects. So you pull on one thing in one area, it pulls on something way over in another area. We'll answer some of these questions when we get to inspiration of Scripture, when we get to the inerrancy of Scripture, infallibility of Scripture, but here's what we know. All of this that we've talked about tonight doesn't mean that Scripture's teachings are easy to understand. There's a lot of stuff in Scripture 
that's hard to understand. And then there's a lot of stuff in Scripture that we do understand, but they're hard to accept because we still have hearts that want our own way. We want, we want the Bible to say what we want the Bible to say. And many times the Bible doesn't say what we want it to say. And so we try to, you know, make, uh, you know, uh, uh, make, make the two ends meet somehow. But if we see something in the Bible that doesn't seem right to us, it's not a sign that the Bible's wrong. It's a sign that we just need more understanding. We need more growth. We need more knowledge of God. And over the course of our lives, I believe God supplies that. We will not know everything that we would like to know in this life. While we walk this earth, we see through a glass dimly. And so we have to be humble about the things that we don't understand. But just because we don't know the answer doesn't mean there is not an answer. It just might mean that we need to trust in God. And one day, everything will be made clear to us when we are with Him. Secondly, we should endeavor to obey God, knowing that true peace and purpose of life is found not in our own life, not in living the way that we want to, autonomy, living according to what seems good to us. But true peace, true purpose, true life is found in submitting ourselves to God's truth that is revealed in the Scriptures. Lastly, the Bible is true in all that it affirms. We don't have to worry about some new discovery contradicting what is affirmed in the Scriptures. And this will be dealt with more under the inerrancy of Scripture when we get there. But the Bible is true in everything that it teaches. I've included a little section down here at the bottom um, that, that you can use in your own devotional time if you would like. Um, I've just suggested that you read meditate on Psalm 19. And if you'd like something to sing that you're in your family devotional time or just as you're driving down the road, standing on the promises. Standing on the promises of God. But I want to read, as we close our time of teaching, I want to read from Psalm 19. And I've got this on the paper there in italics at the bottom. Let's just meditate on what God's Word says of itself. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. That's, that, that, that's how powerful God's Word is. It causes people to live. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. In other words, people who have no understanding, the, the, the words of the Lord can, can make them to have understanding. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. In other words, the truth shall set you free. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. I just think about the man who was burned, how much he desired to know the Word of God. They're, more, they're to be desired more than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In other words, we hear echoes of 1 John. I have written this to you so that you may not sin. By the words of God. How can a young man keep his way pure? According to the word of God. In keeping them, there is great reward. Verse 12. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. In other words, it's our tendency. It's our tendency to think, well, 
I'm probably less of a sinner than I really think I am. And here the psalmist is saying, Lord, all the sins that I have committed that I'm not even aware of, would you forgive me of them, God? Hidden faults. Keep back your servant from, from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What's the message there of verse 14? How can we be a people who the meditations of our heart are pleasing to the Lord? How? By training our hearts, training our minds to know and to meditate on the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God has the power. It is perfect. It revives the soul. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. And it enlightens the eyes. Friends, I hope that this has been helpful. I hope that it will be to you an encouragement. An encouragement to run to the Scriptures. To to do what you need to do. To have a steady diet of the Word of God. Get the Dwell app on your phone. It'll just read the Bible to you. If you're you're on a tractor or driving down the road, commuting to work and back, or whatever the case may be, uh, take in the words of God and let God uh, train you by them. I pray that I would do this as well. Since this has been a teaching session, does anybody have any questions about the things that I have taught tonight, uh, about the authority of God's Word? Okay, well, why don't we pray and, uh, and we'll close our time of, of prayer and teaching tonight. We're going to have a business meeting after this. Let's pray. God, you are so good to us. You give us everything that we need. You give us a word that is, that is clear. God, we don't understand everything in your word, uh, but we know that it is there for our good and it is there for our glory. So give us more understanding. Give us a, give us a thirst for your word. Help us to take it in more to wrestle with the parts we don't understand, to submit ourselves to your word and to obey it. Why? God, because it has authority. And why does it have authority? Because it is breathed out by you. So Lord, give us that confidence. Change us by your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.